Welcome to the No Pressure Podcast with Ehab, where we elevate the education importance and prevention of pressure injuries. Because when prevention meets progress, patients and healthcare workers are protected. On this episode of the Ehab No Pressure Podcast, Christy and Deborah sit down with Kelly Moed, a certified nursing professional development practitioner with 35 plus years of experience in the acute care setting. They continue their discussion about Kelly's passion, safe patient handling and mobility, specifically the evolution and transition of education from the classroom setting to the virtual environment. Kelly, how is the classroom setting or hands-on training evolved since the pandemic? For example, how many nurses would you typically train in one of your in-person sessions prior to the pandemic versus the current environment? Okay. Well, there's different types of education than training. So you have the initial, which is your onboarding. In the past, we have had a very controlled number of people. Maybe, you know, once in a while you get 20 people, but it might be 10 people in a month. We're getting right now, present time, 10 people in a week because they're trying to fill spots. Yeah. So then they just keep coming and you have nurses, nurses, aides, and that's who will currently come out of a professional development department. But we also work with interdisciplinary. We have other staff members, ancillary staff that get trained. So we have all these other positions that were created. So we've got, we're onboarding more people, yet we have to social distance. So they're not, all these people aren't gathered in a classroom. We are now doing things virtually. We'll meet them on a Teams call, explain to them what's happening. We do some select skills in smaller groups in a classroom setting or in simulation lab. And then we will follow up. The person will do it. You know, they have what's called like a preceptor checklist. And they will then like say do one, one thing in the lab. And then they follow up and they do it out on the unit with the patients. So that's the initial and onboarding. That is the biggest challenge right now because we're getting so many new people. The environment is changing rapidly. We keep introducing new pieces of equipment, new institutional policies. And so we need to be ready. We need to just say, hey, this is it. And then the staff's already busy. So you need to have something that's available to them and gets them right to the point so they know what they're doing. And then they do a video, a hands-on, and maybe a checklist might be the next step. Some critical elements of how to do it. So, you know, we talked about with the new nurses, a lot of not having those foundational skills because they had limited clinical experience. Well, if we had critical elements or a checklist for for some, for a piece of equipment maybe, or or a procedure. So it would include hand washing gloves, those type things. But then uh, the meat of it could come from a manufacturer's instructions on how it's supposed to be done. Of course, everything would be approved through policy and procedure. This is what the way way policy and procedure would say, you know, this is what we're using. Um, And then we would base the checklist and competencies. Kelly, of those 10 clinicians, are they new nurses? Or are they transfers from another facility? Are they traveling nurses? What's the blend of clinicians in terms of skill level that you're you're trying to train? That's a really good question, Christy, because we're getting a, a lot of new nurses. And then we have, say, about 75% are new and out of school. 
Uh, some of them have come from settings not in a hospital. This is what's been interesting because I guess with COVID, they chose, uh, get, they were, I think, in, in nursing homes or, you know, long-term care facilities. Some of them came from there. There were clinics that they worked in. And so they haven't been in an acute care facility. So they are essentially oh. new to the, the acute care. So it's that kind of mix. We've got sporadically, we get someone with maybe six years experience and then sometimes someone with 30 years experience. And we always go a double take. Wait, is that, is that possible? Wait, is this happening? Someone is starting now here. <laughs> but they, they've, they've probably worked in another, they've worked in another facility. Yeah. I, I actually, we had a couple and I, I said, I always tell them, yay, I'm so proud three decades and you're here. And it's, uh, you know, I wouldn't want to have, taken a break from the acute care setting and then jump in now. It's just not the time. Years ago, we had these return to practice classes. We used to take people that you know, maybe they stayed home until their children were of a certain age and then they came back to work and they wanted to work in the acute care setting and we did skills and all that. And then that was, that was a great thing. And we, it, it enhanced the workforce. You had people with life experience and all that. Right now, I don't even know if someone who's been out of practice could come in. There's just been so many changes. So the new people need the foundational skills and they'll catch on. The good news is a lot of the new nurses are good with technology. So they know how to find a video on something. If I tell them, grab a QR code here, get your phone. Let's look at the QR, you know, scan the QR code and that'll bring you to a website, which brings you to a video. Look at that video and then go do whatever you're going to do. You know, if, if it might be using a piece of uh, equipment or whatever it is. The reality is that they're getting a, a less of a classroom orientation, more of a virtual mm. And then a lot of hands-on at the bedside. So they're having to check off their skills at the bedside with a preceptor. It's um, been very interesting. We have had also not only doing initial orientation, but then you have annual needs. Anyone in professional development knows that there are regulatory agencies that require certain skills be reviewed once a year. You've got things like the... CPR classes, the American Heart Association classes, you've got, I think once a year, you're supposed to demonstrate how, if you know how to use restraints, there's certain things that we do for sepsis and there's infection control. All these things are now virtual. It's very hard to do that. We've, we're trying, we keep, every time there's a little break, we do more skills labs, but uh, that's also something that we have difficulty with. So we've been trying to you know, do skills days and, and doing some on-unit competencies. So, but for annual reviews, and then anytime you get a new product, you need to get that. Mm -hmm. And that's been happening. Think about it. Supply chain. Yeah. You can't get the shampoo that you love, but we're out here working in the hospital and you can't get, whether it's a medication, it could be a trach, it could be anything. <laughs> and so then what'll happen is, the, you know, the educators will have to go out now and say to the staff, okay, as of tomorrow, we'll be having new whatever it is. <laughs> and that's, it's just, that's been a challenge too. We would like to thank Kelly for sharing her valuable insights, knowledge, and experiences on safe patient handling and mobility. 
We appreciate you, Kelly, your passion, enthusiasm, and taking the time to provide clinicians an overview on the evolution of the education and training environments. Join us next week as Kelly shares her perspective on the transition of education, from onboarding to hands-on experience to skills assessment checklists. Thank you for listening to the No Pressure Podcast. If you have any questions about the material presented, please reach out to us on our website at ehub.com contact.